once again, it's time to tell the damn story. How are you today, Alex? <laughs> hey, Brother Ryan, I am fine. How are you? How are you? How are you? Brother, um, you know, I'm feeling okay because while nothing is over and nothing has changed, Yesterday was day 12 of pro uh, protests, and we are a week away from last week's episode where things got a little dire on that episode. We kind of had a little positivity at the end, but we're, we're able to kind of talk from a sunnier day today, you know? And, <laughs> and it is and Sunday, too. Yeah, that's true. So while, while nothing is over, and we have not found relief or progress. There's a lot to celebrate, or there's a lot to feel hope about. And I think it's worth, especially, you know, for creatives, it, there's a, it's worth noting, you know, and then we can move on and talk about some other stuff, because this is a creatives uh, uh, podcast, and we're a little out of our bounds, but it has to be said. It has to be said. You know, um, yesterday, there were gigantic, absolutely enormous demonstrations. Not only in D.C., not only in New, uh, New York, but in major and minor, you know, towns, uh, cities, and even in small towns, not only throughout the country, but across the globe. Mm. And there was a unity in message and an improvement in delivery of message. You mean the clarity? The clarity and also um, how to do it so they didn't, so no one gave anyone an opportunity to say, oh, look at that, they're, they're getting. You know they're getting uh, 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 violent. We better we better protect <laughs> protect <laughs> the community that is almost entirely out here demonstrating and you standing know, in front um, of it. Yes. Yeah, I mean it was it, it was a week of uh, growth in that. You know George Floyd was not forgotten. You know the, we live in a generation an era of the twenty four hour news cycle where tragedies get swallowed up in the next day's tragedies. If, if you're you know? lucky, make it through the entire day of, of recognition and awareness, because a lot of times it's like soundbite, soundbite, soundbite. That's true, but, you know, credit where it's due to the millions and millions of demonstrators mm -hmm. who uh, kept that message and honed that message, you know, um, and widen that message, you know, from George Floyd to Black Lives Matter to I can't, you know, I can't breathe and hands up, don't shoot. And, you know, calls for improvement in this, you know, the right down to the psyche of the country, you know, to the to the way people think about their lives. You know, and a call to white people in particular to check your privilege and maybe check to see that maybe you've been taking your privilege for granted or that you've been blind to your own privilege or that you haven't been able to define exactly what that privilege is, you know, um, or why that, you know, some people might see that as less than a benefit. You know, literally, I think part of the part of the story, since we, you know, this is called Tell the Damn Story. Part of the story is how much are people choosing to read and and really be aware of, you know, the details going on in the story. It is not a protest against white people being able to live their lives and earn their living and raise their children and all of that kind of stuff. It is a protest against the denial of people of color being able to earn the right to do this very same thing. And I think you know, I, 
some people have a knee-jerk reaction. This is not even me coming from anger. There's some people have a knee-jerk reaction that if you say something about what I have, I immediately must be the aggressor. And that's you not hearing the whole sentence or not reading the whole story, even if it's a short story. You're not getting all of the details. You're not getting to know all the characters. And I think that's one of the things that I see starting to happen is, is some people are starting to listen, at least. Okay. But you're talking um, I want to focus on one of the words you said. One of the phrases. Where is that? I, with, of course, brotherly respect. Yes, sir. Okay. You said that you know that black people wanted to uh, earn the right, and and I would I would point out that white people don't earn that right. They're born into it, and that's really what everybody wants. Is just oh, you were born, then you get the respect. I don't think after you know. 400 plus years of slavery and racism and beatings and lynchings and and you know legalized uh, you know obstruction to living your life that anyone has to earn anything anymore i i would say that by fact of existence we it, that's the goal to get everyone to recognize uh, the value of the other person just by the fact of their existence. I and let me ultimately the goal. clarify why I use the word earn. Uh, again, it, it's all about word choices and things. And, and I'm not defending anything. I'm just clarifying. Um, part of the pushback, especially from the 60s, part of the pushback is you want us to give you this. You wanted to give you that. You know, I had to earn, you know, people uh, not of color saying I had to earn this. I had to work a job in it. Well, bottom line is we're not asking, we have never been asking, or maybe in some cases some specific, but basically we're not asking you to, to hand me down anything, to offer us a gift of anything. We're saying don't obstruct our right to earn our way in this world, to earn a living, to, to prove that ah, we... Okay. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about anything. the American, the, the idea of America that you yeah, can go yeah. out and put forth exactly. an effort in. Exactly. I got that now. Don't obstruct, you know, and then I will do my part. You know, if people are not doing their, they're sitting around being lazy and blah, blah, blah. That's, that's across all cultures. Every culture yeah. has, has folks that are just going to sit back and say, what are you doing for me? So uh, that's when I, when I use the word earn, that's what I'm talking about. I'm not asking for you guys to, to give us a care package. I'm saying just stop obstructing. That's what we're looking for. Stop and, our ability to make a lives for ourselves as well as, you know, the, the way you do. That's, that's really it. And I, w I would also, I, I agree with you and uh, uh, widen my mind there. Okay. Um, I would also, since we're here on earning, you know, <laughs> let's, let's clarify um, earning. You know, if you're born on third base, you know, and and dad's limo drives you home. <laughs> you have not hit a home run. <laughs> and it's uh, out of the park. <laughs> there's so many people that, you know, that work in the office and, uh, and uh, go to the bar and they cut their deal and they write off all this, you know, on company money and all that sudden talk about you know, how they are leaders of society and how they are, um, uh, you know, true earners. You might be doing something, but you're not doing everything. You know, and I think one of the, I mean, I just, and this is a, a, a gripe I've had for decades. And you yes, know, folks, I, just, I do know that we've gone off on a sidebar here, but hang with us. Well, it's all, it's all part of this. It's all part of yeah. the whole construction, you know. But I don't think anybody, anybody is worth 184 times more than anyone else. You know, and when executives are making 180 times their employees, I think insanity has arrived to say, hey, good <laughs> to see you, you know. And the same thing goes for, you know, uh, uh, celebrities and uh, entertainment companies and sports people and sports arenas and sports uh, team owners, they all say, well, you know, it's what the market will bear. I said, the market will bear 
the same way the frog will enjoy the water as you slowly turn up the temperature. So, you know, to, to say, you know, I'm going to play a game and I deserve a hundred and some odd million a year. And, and, and I think there's another... If that's structure. the market, yeah. that's the market. But, but I still think it's insane. Well, let me, let me, again, tell the damn story, creatives, all that. Let, let, me, let me talk about that. Um, one of the things that I look back on in terms of my childhood, because, again, we as, as creatives, as writers, you know, uh, actors, whatever, we call on our life experiences in order to sometimes fuel or give us a springboard to the character or characters that we're creating. And, you know, one of the things that I remember most uh, about, and I was not a big sports kid, you know, just let's be clear about that, but I'm here in New York. We had the Yankees. You know, we had the Mets. We had um, uh, major football and basketball teams. But back, I remember, back in your day, there was the Brooklyn Dodgers yes, and three football teams. That's, that's all I'm yeah, saying. Yeah. <laughs> back in my day, yeah, that's right. There we were, the Pioneers. Uh, anyway, the thing that stood out in my mind was the Mickey Mantles, um, and in football, you know, the Joe Namath's, uh, uh, the, the Reggie Jacksons. These are guys who they were hero figures to kids in particular, as adults too. But, you know, speaking as a kid at that time, they were hero figures. But your heroes were approachable. Your heroes were just a little bit bigger than life. Not super big, just a little bit bigger than life. You could go to the ballpark. You could watch them do their thing. And if you were really fortunate, there were events or times at the ballpark where you could meet them and they would sign your ball for nothing. It was an autograph that you could take home and, and as idealistic as it, it may sound, you know, certain mementos mean something very dear to people. And I, I know of a couple of friends of mine who got their, their, the baseballs they caught or found or brought autographed by their hero and they slept with the darn thing, okay? because this was special, beyond special. I also know what it's like to crush a kid's spirit when the celebrity, in this case, again, certain sports figures just a few years later, charged for it. Because mm -hmm. now the market, as you mentioned, was saying, you can make money from that. Not just wait for a sponsor or a corporation to want to use your name, but anybody who wants your name on any item they have, charge them for it. So I think, you know, hero images, uh, people you look up to, and this is leading back to what our initial subject was, the belief system that was at least presented as a way to behave in public and the kind of person to be uh, going on into the future and to impress upon children what it's like to be a good citizen, all of that stuff. had People had their roles and they played those roles or they were genuinely those people in those early years, and then we got lost. We got totally lost. And I think it's, it's phenomenal now that, like you were saying, again, at the beginning of the show, we watched the world start to come together in these different pockets and stand for something that's ethically absolutely right. And, and it, is a, it is justice that we're looking for. And I can see the same scenario, just with greater coverage now, I can see in my memory that same scenario from the 60s because mm -hmm. television was the thing that woke up a lot of the rest of the world as to what was going on in particular in the South with the, the fire hoses turned on people, the dogs let loose on people, and police with batons beating people down. Right. So I think what we have now is unfortunately, this is not, <laughs> this is not a documentary about the 60s. This is what's happening right now in 2000. You know, uh, 2020, 2020, 2020, baby. 2020, this is what's happening right now. But again, it's like the world is going, oh, dang, what? You know, and, and, and enough people are starting to say, that ain't all right. Sorry. Yeah. Nope, nope. You know, may they, may they continue to move forward with that message, um, most assuredly. But yeah, it's looking at the whole story. It's like, it's like a Ken Burns documentary. We started back at such and such a point. Um, and, and, and I think, you know, again, the story, because when we were talking just before the show, the story is also about tenacity and about a hero's journey, or in this case, millions of people suddenly moving forward on a journey. You know, when, when, you, when you 
work on a story, when you set it up, you set up the plot, you outline it, you want to know where your characters are going, where, where they start, and where they're going, and where they end up by the end of that story. And I think right now we're looking at the development. I, this is not a, a, a story yet. To me, this is still an outline. But we're looking at the development of this journey. And it's, yeah. it's going to be interesting to see where it goes and how people chronicle this experience. True, true. And um, I want to point out some stuff that um, is is interesting. Okay, the numbers were fantastic. You know, the uh, the metaphor of such huge numbers across the nation, across the globe, and seemingly growing and growing. Um, It it deserves to be noted, right? That that something is happening. That uh, and give me fifteen seconds only for politics. Um, <laughs> that there's a okay. There's I'm a timing second it. fence. Go. Ready? Yeah. Okay. That there's a go. second fence around the White House right now. Yep. You know, and there's only a small voice coming out on Twitter. That metaphor is important as well. We're moving away. Okay. Another thing you had, is You had that, three more seconds. No, no, no. Don't give me three seconds. You know how that goes. You know oh, how that goes. Okay, forget it. Forget, forget. Okay, never mind. So, never mind. so now, um, one of the things that, that is interesting, and I'm going to call my own BS on it, okay? But okay. um, It's butterscotch that, for you children listening. That's right. Butterscotch for everybody. Um, yeah. Is that... Like I said, they're getting better at the message, right? The demonstrators, the leaders of the demonstrators, the organizers of the demonstrators, uh, I guess you would call them influencers these days, or people with any platform, right? Um, and for what it's worth, maybe this is a platform and this conversation will help inspire creatives to keep the conversation going, you know? Um, I'm going to start very local. One of my uh, friends... Uh, uh, spoken word poet, uh, great elementary school teacher, uh, Tony Jackson says, listen, I love that what's going on, but I, I, I want to see it happen. Not just this week, not just this month, but keep going, keep going. Right. Uh, and, and, and he's right. You know, um, thoughtful, uh, commentary, you know, again, we're going to go with gains. Uh, there was a, um, Local, there was two local demonstrations, and the one that I covered for our school newspaper. Uh, he was asked to go up and speak, and in lieu of a, spe- a speech about me, 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 right, which he's, you know, that's not his style, mm-hmm. he read off the names of the people killed at the hands of police. I don't know, it, it wasn't the entire history, it was a long list, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and uh, very, very powerful, very, very powerful. Um, and then there's this thing coming up, this element that is coming up that has been around for a while. So, you know, I'm not inventing or creating or discovering anything that hasn't been around. But um, the whole idea of true allyship. Okay. Ah. Now, uh, Asterisk, I have to confess that um, there was a time a few years ago where uh, um, uh, a young woman, a uh, uh, wife of a, a longtime uh, friend of mine, um, asked me on social media, or, or actually sent me on social media, uh, how to be an ally. And I will confess here and now that it completely, 100% triggered me because it felt, I felt like I was being called out unjustly uh, on social media uh, w- without without knowing that it was coming. But right? to clarify, so, the person who sent this to you was African-American? No. No. Okay. So what was the, what, how to be, a person of color. A we'll person of color. Okay. okay. But, um, and, and a community leader and all that sort of stuff and meaning very well, you know, mm-hmm. um, but the, the, the geezer over here got outraged. <laughs> She'll know who I am. She hasn't walked in my shoes. And it's starting to sound a little bit like the penguin. Followed her, whatever you want to call it. You um, unfollowed her? Wow. Oh, okay. it, immediately without thinking, right? Immediately without thinking. Now we have, we have, um, the, impre- the you know, relationship has improved. And um, I think it was the context, you know, uh, yeah. 
uh, of being um, publicly approached like that, you know. Um, but I've grown a little bit, just you know, a smidge <laughs> over the years. Not <laughs> just a smidge, right? And uh, this morning I was going through um, whatever sent me, you know, and checking out this, this, then. And um, one of the things I get sent is articles from uh, Time Magazine. Uh, Time Magazine is doing a thing called Time 100 Talks, right? And it's um, it's it talks with different people trying to find hope, trying to find. So today's was. Uh, Andre Day, uh, true allyship requires a willingness to be uncomfortable, right? And uh, she spoke with um, Van Jones, CNN host Van Jones, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, interesting uh, uh, piece. You can probably see it on YouTube, that conversation. You can definitely, you know, time Andre Day. You'll probably get the article. But I wanted to go to, you know, with, with, uh, you know, I don't have her permission, but I hope she in, indulges. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, uh, she basically she said that uh, in the midst of nationwide protests over racism and brutality, police brutality, white people who want to be allies need to start questioning their thought processes. Okay, and since no one said this to me publicly, apparently I. I was not triggered because I kept reading, right? <laughs> hooray! Well, <it> wasn't <laughs> hooray for hooray for tiny white uh, pro, uh, uh, progress, right? But she has this interesting quote, and then a couple of questions. And I wanted I wanted to send it your way, and okay. uh, let's 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 consider the questions okay. and honestly honestly see what we have to say. And for those who are uh, uh, listening, I did not prep. Uh, uh, give Alex. Alex. Um, Alex. I'm. A, uh, I did not give you a um, heads up preview of the questions, right? So I have a slight advantage, you know, uh, because you know, I, I've talked to this with the with the goddess. What do you think? What do you think? So, all right. So here's a good quote first, and then we'll go to the questions. Um, uh, people forget that this is a Andra Day. Uh, people forget that racism, systematic racism institutionalized racism, racial injustice and oppression is a network. It's a network of things happening at the same time in order to make you think the way you think and me think the way that I think. Otherwise, it doesn't work, she says. You can't control the thoughts of the people being oppressed. You have to control the thoughts of the oppressor, whether they're aware of it or not. So I think one of the first things white people can do is really start to question and undo some of the things that they think about people of color in this nation, about black people in this nation. Now, you have on occasion uh, reminded uh, the audience that you are the darker of the, the, the brothers here, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But I think these questions are interesting for us to consider. You know, so uh, I'll ask, can you, you see what you think? Can I say what I think? And hopefully this, this will be worthwhile. Cool. Okay. Okay. So what's your first question? Uh, so she says, uh, having a desire to change is different than having a commitment to change. So here comes the first questions. Um, are you willing to vote for someone you wouldn't typically vote for because they align with racial justice and equality in this country? Wow. Um, and this is not me straddling the fence, but an honest answer is it would depend on why I wouldn't have normally voted for them. In other words, if it's because they're of a different political party that I might feel I'm affiliated with, but they stand for racial justice and justice, yes, I would vote for them. I would step outside the party, the neighborhood or whatever to do that. If they were a person who ha had been accused of and had pretty much been clear that they had committed some sort of heinous crimes or things that I absolutely am not okay with, then I would have a problem with that. Yeah, I would. All right, I would answer that um, I haven't trusted a politician since Nixon. So <laughs> <laughs> trusted Nixon. I did not. Gee, yeah. I learned something new about well, you every yeah, day. Well, because I was, I was in sixth grade. And the assignment was to, you know, uh, campaign for a candidate. And we got assigned candidates. And I got assigned mm -hmm. Nixon. And um, being a little bubblehead sixth grader, what, what, what did I know about, you know, the, the nuances, right? And my mom was, my, my parents were Republicans. 
and they were running or helping uh, some counselor at large or something like that, and the local senator who were a Republican. Uh, so they were working, or she was working at least, in the uh, political uh, office. So I would go there and get Nixon's the one button, not realizing that it was foreshadowing. See? It tied it into creatives. <laughs> well, Nick, you know, yeah. Nixon now, Nixon's the one. I think those were pretty yep. bad, fantastic in retrospect. Um, but I, you know, the, uh, uh, I would play in playgrounds and the recreation uh, uh, supervisors were, you know, this was the early 70s, so they were like hippies, you know, and they would be, you know, uh, McGovern, rah, you know, and all that sort of stuff. Dirt and McGovern. I'd be swinging on a swing. That's how young I was, swinging on a swing, going, Nixon, because what do we know? And then, you know, two summers later or whatever, uh, Watergate, and I was just scarred for life. <laughs> so, yeah, so, you know, um, I don't even though even the uh, politicians I vote for, um, I still there's a little, you know, I'm not sure he's still a politician. I mean, I even I was even a little hesitant with Obama, who's you know he's got a kind of a spotless record. No matter what the current efforts are to besmudge that, you know, yeah. besmirch that record, he's got a, a pretty spotless record. Uh, maybe not greatest in all facets, but he you know he. He did. He did a pretty uh, uh, good job there, um, but I always have a little suspicion because they're apologies. You've chosen this job, therefore you're a suspect. And the second part of that is the people who are in favor of racial justice tend to be kind of in the area where I would normally agree anyway, or be willing to vote for. So if someone was out of that area that I vote for and was for, uh, how did they say it, um, uh, for uh, a racial justice and equality, I'd want to see if their other, th other stuff supports that. Mm. Because, you know, we know, like I said last week, a stone racist called himself, you know, uh, uh, a supporter, you know, and an ally last week. And you get that. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to so, you know, okay. bottom line, what are your motivations and... and, yeah. and you know, we need to know what's your agenda because, or at least try to learn that because, again, you might be just saying X in right. order to get us on your side. Or you'd, get... you'd have to prove it to me. All right, right. here's the next exactly. question. Yeah. Uh, very different, and, and I thought it was a fascinating question, but here we go. Are you willing to have a conversation about changing the national anthem? Yeah, why not? I'd like I, I I would have that conversation, but the whole front check the section of that conversation would be me listening. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't want to sound facetious, but I'd I'd like to know what you want to change it to. Mm -hmm. You know, there are historical uh, problems with the national anthem that we have, uh, un unused verses and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. You know, um, well, I mean, you know, if, but we if, don't use those verses for a reason. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, but I mean, you know, so you got to give me here's how this represents all of us better. Let me, I'm signing let, me be, on. let me be um, the old geezer again, as you were so fond of pointing out here. Um, we're, we're all geezers on this podcast. Yeah, ain't <laughs> yeah, no pretty young things here. Um, but we had um, when I was growing up. I can remember on like the, the, the I'm going to say the TV variety shows at the time. I could also say Ed Sullivan, but only a certain portion of our audience would know what I mean. But I remember watching these TV variety shows and there was a particular singer that would pop up on different shows. She was a star at that time. Her name was Kate Smith. And Kate oh, Smith, yeah, yeah. you know, is a, is a very, uh, was a, a, a rather robust sized lady uh, with a very powerful voice. And she, um, like I said, she was a star. And one of the songs that she sang that became, you know, the thing to play at baseball games was the national anthem. You know, they still played at Yankee games. Well, the, the thing is they supposedly just dropped it. Because, oh, really? yeah, here's the deal. Someone finally looked back. <laughs> I, I mean, again, you, like you said, there's a national anthem and there are verses that have never been used. Okay, right. do research, folks. 
someone finally, just recently, looked back at Kate's performing right. history and found that she had recorded some extremely racist songs about black people, including one about watermelon heaven and how the children should go to watermelon heaven because, yeah. And, and, and they went, oh, hell no. You know, so, but it took, I mean, it took 50 years for someone to go, yeah. oh, hell no. You know, so I think, again, it's, it's how much, what is an awakening? And at what point, I mean, we went through the 60s. That was an awakening period. How come nobody picked up on it then? You know, mm -hmm. so here we are in 2020. Someone picks up well, it's on easier. it. It's easier to do research now, but okay, go ahead. They were recording copies, of the, and that's not the only song she did. It okay. was, all I'm saying, I don't bring this up to attack Kate Smith now because she's gone and she doesn't talk to me anyway. But the reality here is that there are certain things we accept as, oh, yeah, well, okay, there was that, but now there's this. You know, and it's like, well, some people aren't going to accept the whole package because, I'm sorry, what came before taints what is or what exists right. at the moment. I would, and, and to be the lawyer in this, and again, folks, I know you're listening to the show, and this is not, this is not face the nation here. <laughs> this is tell the damn story. Um, in looking at, again, words, words are powerful. The, the exact question was, would I be willing to participate in a discussion about changing the national anthem? And I said, yes. I didn't mm -hmm. say I'd agree with. I didn't right. say I'd push. But you can have that conversation. Yeah, I said I'd have the conversation. Tell me what you want. I'm not saying I'm going to agree, but tell me what you yeah, want. Yeah. Exactly. Which um, communication is the first step. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, since you brought it up with Kate, uh, the one thing okay. I would say I'm is I think. For this, right? Okay, go ahead. I think we're, I mean, it's. It's an area for exploration and it's an area for discussion and it's an area where there's a lot of work to do, but we have to face the idea that racism is ingrained into our society from its earliest days. And we probably could find an instance to cancel every white person that has existed. Is that the goal? I I don't. When you say cancel, are we try, Like you know, we can't use Kate Smith. Not that I'm defending or 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 or. or Condemning mm -hmm. her. We can't use her at baseball games anymore because she did a watermelon song and this and that and the other thing. You know, uh, I'm a, uh, there's books all around me. I happen to see H.P. Lovecraft to my left. He's a stone racist in his life. But it didn't cover that, didn't bring that into his writing. I would say I'm sure. about Jack London. I, I love yeah. Call of the Wild and White Fang and everything, but Jack and I wouldn't be able to hang out. You know? Yeah. So... Have calls or anything. Yeah. Terrible. Uh, it's important work as it has to be done. I don't know if it's the first thing that we do, but I think it has to be done. And I think when you find people who are overtly racist, overtly sexist, you know, where there's more hate than love, there's more negative than positive. Those those people, of course, they should be canceled. I, I you, you know, know again, but it's, it, it's gonna. That's the muddier area. Well, you know, again, creatives. I I talk to my students a lot about um, when they're developing their characters and when they're developing storylines, and they'll sometimes write a, a character doing X, whatever that is, a sequence of of actions or, or phrasings or a particular attitude towards another character. And I'll say, well, okay, where is that coming from? And I'll say, well, you know, because um, she, she says this because she's going to do this. I said, no, I understand what you're saying. She says this, she's going to do, that's the next action. But why is she saying this? Why does she or he feel this way? Why are they taking this particular action? What set them on this course? I don't know. I said, well, that, that's a question. Because where we come from, what we've experienced, absolutely influences what we do and where we go and how we see things. 
I think people can have one mindset about something for years, decades even, and then if the right thing comes before them and they're in a receptive enough mood to listen or see it, they might make a change. Whatever that is, you know, whether we're talking race, religion, whatever it is, they might make a change. And I think that storytelling is about those, those moments and those changes or the lack thereof, or as in a story that I'm working on, where a character goes through all of this, realizes the path they're on is wrong, but believes they can't change and therefore continue down that wrong path, and, and, and it's not a good ending for them. So I think that's, that's storytelling, but it's also the way the world works, because we are really, in our own way, reflecting the life we know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, so let's... Uh, eight let's and some of these others, you know, they did what they did, they were raised the way they were raised, and we can respond to that whichever way we feel we should. I'm sorry, what was your next question? Well, and... and we have to uh, we have to work from the point of view that racism is ingrained mm -hmm. you know and that's not going to be the change it's it's yeah. deep it's long with long -term the term snap of a finger right absolutely that doesn't mean that doesn't mean we stop or we wait for this is not a good time that that bs that's <laughs> yeah. got to go it's not a good right? time to talk go. About. it's yeah. just that it's also you know We've had 12 days of uh, uh, demonstrations, and that's beautiful. Uh, there are going to be more demonstrations. That's more beautiful. But we're going to have to do work beyond mm -hmm. the demonstrations. Mm -hmm. Some people are behind fences, and they're not listening. All right, so... Um, Ding! Here's, here's the next one. Um, are you willing to even admit that we have a problem? I think we already have. Yeah. I think that's what the last two episodes have been about. I think that's a, a lot of about what our writing has been about, you know? I think, to, of course, there's a certain part of Blackjack that is all about, you know, being the line in front of the problem, mm -hmm. you know? And how do you That's do one of the reasons he resonates. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, we're talking to Alex Simmons, who is the creator of Blackjack. All right. So, so, so Chris just wrote a short story, a Blackjack short story that you will probably be seeing sometime very soon that ties into what's going on. Anyway, go ahead, Chris. What's that, that's entirely up to Alex Simmons. All right, so um, are we willing to take down some of these monuments? Ouch. That's a tough one. I, I, I need, my knee-jerk reaction is yes, but... I have a problem with rewriting history. So I think once again, there needs to be a clarity around what, where, and why. Um, for instance, I will, I will mention this. There was a point, and I won't name names because I don't want this to turn into a whole nother conversation, but there was a point where both black and white individuals were claiming that the Holocaust never happened that Jews were not, in a, did not suffer in the concentration camps the way history has told that story. And they felt, and particularly some of my folks felt, that was the truth, that it was a big Jewish lie. And they were, they were ad adamant about it, and some of them were people talking to me, and I said, well, I have a problem with that. And they said, why? Thinking I was gonna defend uh, Jewish people purely. And I said, I'll tell you why. I said, because there is on record uh, uh, stories about, not fictional stories, factual stories about blacks who were part of Patton's army who helped liberate a couple of the D concentration camps and the things that those soldiers saw. So if you say it did not happen, then those soldiers did not do what they did. And subsequently, it's all a lie. We didn't accomplish squat. You cannot deconstruct history for, a one, for one's own personal reasons and not affect someone else sometimes even your own. So I guess, whereas I don't, you know, the Confederate flag does hold bad, some bad vibes for me, absolutely, and I, I don't raise it high. Did I sit in the Dukes of Hazard's car at a comic convention? Yes, I did. Did I think about the political ramifications of that at the time? No, I didn't. Should have? Probably. Absolutely, maybe, whatever you want to say about it. I think that we, we do need to look at cleaning up some of the mess. I would not just do a blanket sweep, 
but I would definitely be, be, be down with examining some of these symbols, some of this material, some of these monuments, and see really what they're about. Also understanding that we are opening up a can of worms when we do that, because, you know, we can take down something of, of um, uh, uh, General Lee. I guess someone could lobby to take down something of Booker T. Washington or, or Thomas Jefferson or Lincoln. It's a, it's a short walk from the Holocaust didn't happen to Martin Luther King and Malcolm X didn't exist. Slavery yeah. never happened. Yeah. You know, humanity... Its history is sloppy and deeply flawed. We did what we did. Now let's not do it again. And I think, I think, so, in order for that, let's not do it ever again. We got to remember and acknowledge what was done. Right. And and again, I think conversation is the key. Mm. Why is this statue up? What is this person's track record through history? And you know, do we want to represent? Yeah. Do we want that represented this way anymore? You know, and you know, here's here's the 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 one person I would probably defend. It's not as uh, fun as the General League car. <laughs> okay, okay, but um, you know, if they said they wanted to dismantle the Jefferson Memorial, I would have a problem with it. Yes, he owned slaves. Yes, he had a love affair. And all that stuff. And I understand that, but that is not why he's remembered. He also contributed some of the founding thoughts that give us the possibility of achieving the idea of America. And uh, I would have, I would, I would really be reluctant to see his ideas negated. Because if they negate those ideas, then the thing you're fighting for is weakened. You're fighting for the ideals he, he espoused, not the man he was. So it's, it, he's a great example of where I think the actions or the, the ideas that he put forth, the lasting impact of his ideas are stronger, I would argue, are stronger than his cultural ignorance about slavery, even though he eventually freed them and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, just having them is, is, is a problem. And uh, the weakness of his heart or, or lust or whatever, you know, I, I don't... Right. You, I, you, you might be able to give a better tone on that than I do. I but, would simply say... I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut no, you off. Go ahead. I, don't, I was trailing off uh, <laughs> awkwardly, so I you probably saved say, me. I would simply say that I would put more energy into um, erecting more statues about more current heroes, certainly of different cultures or race or gender, than I would be expending the energy to take down. You That's know? an interesting idea. That is an interesting idea. You know, I mean, because it's like, it's like, okay, and again, folks, everything that happens in your life, as a creative, you can connect to. Years ago, when we were going through um, uh, well, we're going through a budget crisis in the country right now, anyway. But we were going through another one, and the arts, the funding for the arts, were, were in serious jeopardy here in New York, in particular. And we had a mayor who claimed that the the Department of, uh, of Cultural Affairs and all the money that was going to the arts of these small organizations in the different boroughs, you know, in the Bronx and Brooklyn, the small community-based arts organizations. That money should be ripped out of their pockets and put towards Lincoln Center and the Museum of Modern Art because that was real art. As if nothing else has been created since the quote-unquote great masters was really art. Now, luckily, that idea got stopped and the mm -hmm. people and the city councilmen, everybody raised their fist and the money was put back. But mm -hmm. there is a sort of a elitist attitude in a way that the arts, anything that of quality, you know, if we're talking about historians and great leaders or whatever, it, they're all the way back in the past. Right. You know, and no, we are consistent. Maybe those, those leaders inspired the leaders we got four decades later or that we have now. So recognizing that leadership or great art 
continues to be generated and continues to be created and, 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 and people are inspired by, recognize some of these new people or recognize some of the middle ground folks that are between uh, a Picasso and, and whoever you want to name now. You know, recognize that and begin to acknowledge that art didn't stop 200 years ago or 300 years ago. So I think, yeah, I would, I would be more uh, interested in that and, and more interested in inspiring the young people that are coming up to go on and be even greater or be even more um, uh, useful to society in some manner. I, I, like, I like what you're saying, and I really do like the idea of uh, building up additional images, you know, and yeah. uh, diverse images. Yeah. Uh, that might be a way to uh, positively diversify mm -hmm. uh, uh, what we see, you know? All right, let's go to the next question. Um, are you willing to change street names? <laughs> sure. Yes, we, I am. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, am. I ain't particularly. You know, There's always been a Broadway for, I mean, for many, 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 many moons, and I think I would miss it. But yeah, you know, if you want to call it Schmuck's Way, I, I what's your reasoning? Well, I mean, I, I, I think we know what they mean, and um, I would, I would point to the mayor of Washington D.C., who not only rode in all caps in yeah. bright yellow, Black Lives Matter on the wide street heading towards the White House, but she also renamed it Black Lives Matters Way, Black Lives Matters Way. And yes, <laughs> I applaud it. Yeah. I think it's fantastic. Um, it's, it's a subtle way, not so subtle. Yeah, really, I was gonna say subtle. But it's a way, <laughs> it's a way to acknowledge the efforts of everyone that's uh, demonstrating and respond to some of the more narrow-minded leaders who are attacking the protesters, who are attacking her too, um, maybe in tweets, I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's subtle. We'll it's, avoid it's, it's, we're it's, avoiding it's, politics. This politics. <laughs> It's yeah. so hard to do that, but yeah, I would be fine. Change, change, you know, change, change my street name. Just, you know, fine. I don't care. No, I, I, whatever, yeah. you know. If we can get some meaning to it, that would be fantastic. You know, yeah. the, the the names that they used long ago. You know, how many people have a, a Maple Street and Elm Street mm -hmm. and all that sort of stuff? Sure. If they mean, well, we're going to change this you know, street that was named in honor of a white guy, in honor of a black person. Well, you know, let's have that conversation. What's happening? Why, why are we doing this? Uh, uh, is, it, is, is it because there was, you know, one incident or is there a pattern of terribleness that has been overlooked? Mm. Or is it because we, you know, we have a better hero or is it because no one remembers that name anymore? You know, mm -hmm, sometimes mm -hmm. the streets are named for a World War II hero, and there's, you know, no one left in the town who remembers who that is, you know? Yeah, remember the war. Uh, we've, got, we've got a bridge that was named after uh, Robert uh, uh, Kennedy, you know? And, okay, that, that's fine. The name before that, I think, I don't even remember the name before that. might have been Verrazano. I, whatever it was, it was named after Kennedy because he was a beloved politician at the time. Before I cast off these mortal coils, they might change that again. You never know. Mm -hmm. um, there's something you said, and, and I, I had a thought about it, and it's gone away, so it may come back because, you know, <laughs> I haven't, I've only had one cup of coffee this morning. So, you know, right. we'll, so we'll, go the, the we'll go to the next one. Are you willing to reform the police and the entire justice system? Yes. Yes. That's that's a discussion and a plan I would like to have. Yes, I would, I would, I would be all for it. But I would caution that that planning and that change, they'd have to understand, you know, how deep that goes for for some police. You know, mm -hmm. uh, by by need of survival the um 
the traditional, and I'm not making a, a judgment on it, I mean, but the traditional mindset has been for military and for police, if you're not us, you're the other, and you're a suspect, you know, and then prove otherwise. Now, that's fundamentally uh, a defensive posture. And to, I'm being so nice and careful. And, to, <laughs> and, and really ripe for abuse, abusive um, application. How's that? How's that for oh my goodness, deadly look worded? At you go. right? Look at you go. So that's how deep you would have to change. You'd have to change the fundamental mindset of being defensive. And and establish somehow while the every every cop and leader who is in law enforcement has been this is how you're you know trained to think you have to fundamentally change that you can't just say we're going to pass a rule or a guide or a law mm -hmm. this is where we would need. Uh, careful psychological um, guidance on how do you fundamentally change an element of society, a mindset of rot, a rot that has been there since the beginning. Well, it sounds like you're trying to pass a kidney stone here. So let me let me put let me put your 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 keisters on the griddle for a moment here, uh, but Woo! in a in a gentle way, in a gentle way. Okay. Well, this is all about being uncomfortable. So uncomfortable. Yeah, that would that would definitely be uncomfortable. So let me let me start out by saying um, there are what you just described makes you know perfect sense. It's it's boot camp. There's a boot camp that soldiers go through. There's a boot camp that police go through. There are a gazillion going back to creators for a moment. There are a gazillion movies and novels and plays about mm -hmm. the police and crooked cops and good cops. You know, the first major political social commentary movie about cops I ever remember was Serpico, mm -hmm. you know? So, you know, how do you be an honest man in a corrupt environment or in a silent environment where the corruption that a few are perpetrating is kept quiet? No one talks about it in some sort of agreement. And you are the one voice that wants to say, no, this is wrong. So we have to acknowledge that in the, in the midst of all that training and, and psychological mind bending and us versus them thing, there are some within that collection who go, <clears throat> Jesus, this is uncomfortable, but, okay. You come from, oh, uh, my bottom line on that is- You're I'm, right, I come from I, a family of cops. Right, right. I'm, I'm about right to about that. cops, I'm, I'm a fan of police. But, but I wanted to lay a base first. See what you see. Base first is that not Everyone who wears that uniform is messed up, is a bad guy, okay, so, or gal. So, going back to what I was going to say about you, yes, you come from a family of cops. You know, your dad, your brothers, blah, blah, blah. You got people in your life, and you, you've seen the blue for many, many years. Do you feel that that mindset that you just described influenced the personal side of your family life? Because I mean, your father had a profession. He had to carry that mindset in his profession. Did it bleed over into the family life, in his personal life, you know, in a way that maybe you can, you can, you know, speak All on? All right, a couple of ways, a couple of ways. Um, first and foremost, my father was trained to keep a very definitive line between work and home. And he never, never talked about work uh, when he was home. Even when we were, when I was in high school, and he was, you know, he was in the youth division at that time. He would say, yeah, you know uh, Joe Johnson? I was like, yeah, he's in my bio class. Why? No reason. And then, you know, a day or two later, Joe Johnson would be like, is your father, he wrote, he arrested, he did a, called my parents, or what? Well, you know, that was, but I, I was never told you know, uh, now when my brother became a cop, there would be the, the two of them would be sitting at the corner of the table at family dinners. 
and uh, that would be the he was like, I don't know how to show him now. And that's right? but delivered, folks. He's actually n mumbling so that you, you know, to in, in, so I am dramatically mumbling. Yeah. So, but it, but um, they wouldn't admit they were talking about work, and they wouldn't share with you know, and and that's that's what I mean by how thoroughly ingrained and indoctrinated you know, police and, you know, military, uh, um, how indoctrinated they are to this is us and the rest are them. And getting people past that, especially the, you know, the law enforcement, where they are, tr they are trained that they are always being lied to. Mm. So you treat, you get indoctrinated to treat everyone else as liars. I can't have this conversation with my older brother, who have you met? I can't. I can't because I am wrong on all things. Jeez. And, okay. And it is, but it, you know, but I don't. He was a hippie before he went in the police department, and it was the training in twenty. I guess he had twenty years in of you know whatever he experienced because I wasn't in his shoes that helped make him this way. Mm. You know. Uh, there is also to go beyond my family and to go beyond police and military. There is also, um, you know, a political party in this country that believes they are right and you are wrong and no conversation will ever change that. And if there's any hope, if there's going to be any hope for this country, you know, both major political parties and all the little affiliates that are smaller than those two major parties have to agree to open those minds and say, okay, how can we actually, you know, this is another part of the idea of America. How can we actually form a more perfect union? People, you know, uh, uh, they, they, they pretend they want to, and they, you know, give a uh, lip service to it, but to actually fundamentally want to, you know, and we're not even getting to the angry racists. We're going to hate you and me just for having this conversation. Yeah, but well, they're not part, they're not generally listening to this podcast. But, yeah. you know. Of course, at some point, we'll find out some of them were. And we'll go, oh, my God, I didn't know. And I don't think. And if that's back. the case and yeah, if they I don't want to cancel us, there's nothing we can do about it. And, and that's part of the problem. Because we are allowed to insulate we are allowed to only listen to our own echo chamber. I'm gonna, I have my own 24 hour news service. That's the only one I'm gonna believe. And I have my own podcast and I have my own uh, Twitter threads or Twitter threads, right? Or Twitter people that I follow and my own uh, text threads. And all of that reinforces the ideas I already have. And that's on both sides of the uh, political spectrum and racial spectrum or all sides because there's so many different right but if you only listen to the people who agree with you how are you going to learn and that's part of what andre day is saying are you willing to be uncomfortable well let me you let know? me just let me just talk about that for a quick second because we're 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 closing in on the on the on the hour yeah, we're at, we're at the last question so. yeah okay so just quickly i'll say going back to um and again writing research uh, it was uh, your brother who was the um, the source I went to when I was writing Batman Orpheus Rising, which is a five part miniseries I did for DC years ago, because there was a there was a, a police uh, scenario in there in the stories uh, interwoven in there's a, a number of different police scenarios that that I you know you know what you watch and hear on television and everything, but I wanted to sort of really try and get closer to the mindset uh, of the police officers and, and just some of the procedures without breaking codes. So I went to him and he was, you know, extremely helpful in me doing that. And, mm -hmm. and there are things that, you know, you have, I have to accept as a writer that in my life, I would probably as a person have trouble doing X, but then that's not the path I chose. But because I'm a writer and I'm creating characters that would do that, I need to understand why they would do it. 
And I think that, again, goes back to in regular time, in real life, rather, being able to understand that, okay, I might not agree or I might not do what you do, but I need to understand why you do what you do. I'm going to at least try right. because that's right. going to inform me, you know, and maybe we'll find some middle ground or whatever, but at least I will have more information. So, anyway, so you know, I'll just well, put that out there. So, yeah, last and, and And to be, and well, just to be clear that well, no one is saying that every single cop has a sponsor. No. no one is saying that every single cop is racist. Every single cop is corrupt. Every single, uh, you know, fill in the blank, military, political, and lots of What we are saying is that they're part of the mindset, you know, and just like part of the mindset of, you know, whatever made me me. You know, there's, there's fundamental things that have to be examined and maybe moved, you know, and, and moved forward mm -hmm. to get to this last question. And here's the last question. Here's the last Segway. question. Okay. Um, are you willing to be uncomfortable and do these things so that you can actually see a nation in the future that's equal where we're all thriving? Okay, so my answer to that is, uh, the, the blanket answer is yes, I'm willing to do these things. That's the blanket answer. Within that are the subparagraphs of, I will, like I said before, have the dialogues about certain things. I'm willing to do certain specific things. I am willing to listen to other people. I will not, I cannot promise I will always agree on what, mm -hmm. what you know, comes out of the conversation or what uh, actions are suggested. Um, but I do think it is imperative that we as people get back to a place where the majority of us, nothing's perfect, nothing's 100%, but where the majority of us at least get back somewhere where we can still have dialogues, where we can agree to disagree, where we can maybe even change our minds based on what you're saying or what you've shown me or what I've now learned or experienced. But the absolute rigid pull in the in the darker cavern uh, mindset, of it's, it's, it's destroying possibilities for the future exponentially. And I don't, I, there's no benefit on either side, no matter what folks think. There's no benefit for a total polarizing of, of society on, on a global scale. There's just no benefit to it. And I think polarizing is the big danger here. I also think um, taking your eye off the ball, mm. you know, and kind of getting caught up in it and, and losing what the what the message is here. You know, messages like, you know, I'm not telling, no, no, no. I'm not going to tell Black Lives Matter what the message is. They know. You know, and I'm listening. And mm -hmm. I don't want credit for it. And I don't want any of that stuff. I already had this podcast. I just think that this is a topic that has to be talked about today. I'm not looking to be anyone's hero. I'm not looking uh, for any praise or any of that stuff. Um, I think that I like, you know, the, uh, the creatives, you know, are always willing to grow, you know, and um, if I need to grow more and if I'm, you know, uh, if I can be made to see that, then, then, then I, I tend to grow, you know. So I'm listening, I'm looking, I'm watching. There you go. You know, I, we, I would just hope that that would, you know, that that particular thing would be more catching than COVID. <laughs> um, in, in, in my rounding off of uh, my participation in this particular discussion, um, from a personal standpoint, you know, this, this kind of thing is what I've done the majority of my, my life on this planet. I've always been curious. I've always known there was more than just around the corner. I've always wanted to see that or hear about that. I was a, I was a goofy kid on my block, my neighborhood, white or black, that watched foreign films uh, because I knew there were more people out there and there were more worlds out there. And I wanted to, to get a glimpse of that and see what was 
what was what was the mystery? What was the excitement? What was the fun? And I don't think I've changed in that respect growing up. Subsequently, racism, for, for you know, in terms of my mindset and my way of living, has never made sense. Um, I think also that as a creative, as a person who enjoyed movies and film, uh, movies and plays and books and things like that, and eventually made that a part of my career, studying human beings, living life, seeing different places, different things, all that's a part of being a better creative, of being a better writer, being a better filmmaker, being a better dancer, a musician. Uh, the, you, you take in life. I think it was, it was both um, uh, Isaac Asimov and, and Jeremy Britt. So there you got two, two ends of the creative spectrum here, a British actor and, and a great fiction and science writer, author. And both of them saying, I, I have to keep filling myself up with life, experiences, and things like that, in order to then have something to write about or to have mm -hmm. something to portray through this particular character. Um, we, can, we can do a Walter Mosley and write about uh, a character from the past who, you know, and, and shine a light on maybe more of the black experience. We could be um, a writer of children's books. We can be any number of things, but as a creative, we must see life not down a narrow line, but as a broader image, a broader picture in order to be able to portray that picture for the benefit of our audiences. And I, I think that we've today shown a little bit about who we are, but we've also discussed about the makeup of humanity. And I think, again, communication is a big key to that. We've been able to talk. We've talked about people who've been able to communicate. And I think that that's that's something to strive for is to keep that communication line open. And the, the best of the create, creative uh, instincts is always exploring that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So get out there and explore or get on your yeah. keyboards and explore or sing a song yeah. and explore. Yeah. And, and then and what? And what? And what? Tell the dang uh, story. Story. <laughs> Take care, Chris. All right, brother. We'll see you Peace. next week, man. Take care, everybody. Peace.